Welcome to the Agents of Innovation podcast. Where we feature conversations with entrepreneurs, philanthropists, and artists. Hello and welcome back to the Agents of Innovation podcast. I am your host, Francisco Gonzalez, and this is episode 22. In just a few moments, we're going to hear from Evan Ernst, who is the co-founder of Who We Play For. This is a fantastic organization uh, that has uh, roots here in the state of Florida, where I'm at. Uh, They have gathered uh, most of their energy in Tallahassee, and they, but they do work all over the state and even the country. Uh, they're going to also have with them one of the um, student athletes that they've helped. They are really saving lives and preventing uh, those who may be at risk of heart failure and other things. So um, we're going to hear a little bit more about that. Uh, also, um, at the end of this episode, we're going to hear from uh, a, the band, uh, the Curries. We heard we actually had them on as our guest in episode 21. For those of you that may have heard that. And we were privileged to hear one of their songs in episode 21 as well. Well, at the end of this episode, we're going to play their song, Restless, uh, one of my favorite songs from the Currys, and I hope you'll stick around and listen to that at the end of the episode. Uh, In addition, um, for those of you uh, on Facebook, which is most of the world by now, at least most of the listening audience here, uh, go to the search bar uh, on Facebook and type in Agents of Innovation Podcast. You'll find our page. Please like it if you haven't already. And if you like what you hear, I would encourage you to share the Facebook page with others. Uh, We also do uh, blog posts and other postings on there. If you like any particular episodes, I uh, encourage you to share those episodes uh, with uh, friends of yours. And like I always do, um, ask one of your friends if they like to hear about entrepreneurship or philanthropists or artists and stories and interviews with them. That's what this podcast is all about. If they like it, Snag their iPhone or Android device and look up their podcast app, uh, type in Agents of Innovation and subscribe them. Um, If you haven't done that yet, I encourage you to do that. Uh, Once you subscribe, you'll get the automatic notifications uh, when every episode goes up, and that really helps uh, drive uh, the show and the listening audience. So I really uh, appreciate you doing that. If you're on Twitter, follow us at Agent Innovation, and... um, uh, don't forget to come to the website franciscogonzalez.us backslash, or I guess forward slash podcast, uh, franciscogonzalez.us forward slash podcast, and you'll get a link to all the different episodes and blog posts. We do a unique blog about each one. So thanks for listening, and now let's get to episode 22. Okay, I want to welcome to the Agents of Innovation podcast, Evan Ernst and Andre Walsh, who are with an organization who we play for. Evan and Andre, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thank you. Thanks for having us. Hey, so um, you guys have an interesting organization, and I know, Evan, this is something you helped start, um, and I want you to tell us a little more about it, but uh, it's basically, you know, for those who aren't aware... Um, there are obviously uh, lots of young people out there engaged in uh, athletics all over the country, and every so often we hear these crazy stories about someone basically dropping dead and um, or 
going into cardiac arrest. Uh, and you guys kind of responded to that to try to take some preventative measures. And uh, tell me a little bit about what the organization Who We Play For is about, what your purpose is, and maybe a little bit of how you got it started. Beautiful. Yeah, we're uh, pumped to be here, man. It's our first rodeo on a podcast, so this is kind of interesting. Um, but our story is the story of thousands of teams, communities, and families across the country every single year who lose someone they love to a detectable heart condition, missed in their standard physical. So the purpose of who we play for is eliminate preventable death from sudden cardiac arrest by providing the common sense uh, heart check, which is an electrocardiogram. We got into this because when we were growing up, we had played soccer our entire life. Uh, we were obsessed with the sport. And we came from a small town at Cocoa Beach. While we were at Cocoa Beach, you know, we, we played with the same group of kids our entire life. Uh, and unfortunately, our teammate, Rafe Macron, had a life-threatening heart condition that was missing his standard physical for about 10 years. Uh, at the time, we had no idea in the fine print of every FHSAA, which is the Florida High School Athletic Association physical, you're advised to get an electrocardiogram and check your heart. We had no clue. We had no clue that the standard physical is statistically proven to be less than 1% effective at detecting any heart conditions. So we had no clue that in countries like Italy, Israel, and Japan, every single athlete gets their heart checked. We didn't know that in this country, if you're an FSU athlete or a pro athlete or Olympic athlete, you get your heart checked. And unfortunately, because of that, we watched our teammate collapse and die the day after he scored a game-winning goal because of that detectable heart condition. So essentially, we were a group of best friends, lifelong teammates that watched a family and a community suffer through a preventable tragedy and came to school and realized what we represented and what the concept of who we play for was. And in room 114 of our fraternity house, we came together and asked the crazy, colossal question. And it was that, can we provide the solution to the leading cause of death in sports, cardiac arrest? Uh, we had absolutely no idea how to do it. And we worked for years to, to figure out how to do it most effectively. Uh, and here we are today now who we play for representing the thousands of communities like us, having screened 80,000 kids at 300 plus schools and saving the lives of 64. So that's a little bit about who we play for, a little about our genesis uh, from the very beginning and a little about our purpose. Well, great. Um, and what was your friend's name again? Our friend's name was Rafe. Rafe. Um, well, and how old was he? He was 15. 15. So that happened in, in high school? Yep. Wow. Yep. Um, Cocoa Beach School. Wow, that's crazy. Um, and then you then, so you grew up in Cocoa Beach. Uh, did you know Andre then? I did not. No, I met Andre up here at FSU. Okay. Uh, Andre, where are you from? I'm from Jamaica. Oh, wow. Did you come uh, from Jamaica uh, to, go, I mean, to Tallahassee to FSU for, directly from Jamaica? No, I actually went to a few other colleges before I came over to FSU for my master's. Oh, great. Um, so, uh, Evan, when you, you came from Cocoa Beach and you went to uh, college at FSU as well? Yes, sir. Yep. Did you play uh, sports there? I wish, man. I absolutely wish. FSU is a little bit behind the curve on the soccer program for uh, boys. But, That's right. Uh, yeah, no, no sports here for me. Well, uh, Andre, what about you? What was your uh, athletic background, and did you play in college? Oh, yeah, my athletic background is in track and field. And in high school, I did some cricket and, and soccer. But here in college, I focus mainly on track and field. 
And where, uh, where did you run? Uh, who did you run for? I ran for a school in North Dakota for my first year, and then the next three years, a school in Maryland. And then I came over to FSU. How did they take a guy from Jamaica, and how did you survive in North Dakota? Is that why you were only there a year? Seems a little cold to me. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> it, was, uh, it was really, there's no balance there for me, because anywhere I go, I go there for a balance of academics and athletics. And I felt like on the athletic side, uh, things weren't uh, up to standard for me. And so I, I, left, I left from there. That's why I only stayed there for a year. And where were, were you, which school were you at in Maryland? I was at the University of Maryland Eastern Shore. Oh, great. I, went, uh, I actually did my graduate uh, degree in, in history at uh, the University of Maryland College Park. So not too nah. far. But, uh, and then did you, did you run as well for FSU? I did not run for FSU. I guess by that, by that time you just came for the master's degree. That's when I uh, I came here to run, but that's when I found out uh, that I had a heart condition, and uh, so I I was not cleared to to run. Okay, and uh, how did you you found that out through some of the tests that FSU performs on its athletes? That's right. So I came over from Maryland after having a, a hamstring injury that put me out a year. And that hamstring injury allowed me to have one more year to compete. So when I came over and I've, I'd always done the standard physicals, when I came over, I did an EKG and the EKG picked up an irregularity uh, with my with my heart. And so I went on from there and did an echocardiogram, did a stress test, did a cardiac MRI, and I, I met two of the major criteria for a condition called arrhythmogenic right ventricular dysplasia, which in short is ARVD, or some people say ARVC. And uh, from there, uh, they, they made it known to me that it would be best uh, that I not compete. So that must have been a tough decision for you as well. But I mean, I guess, I mean, health is always, of course, the most important thing in your life. Uh, but uh, how, how I know many athletes, uh, particularly, you know, are used to kind of going all at it at all times. And uh, when someone has to tell you to kind of put, put that, put that down and, or, or calm down with it a little bit and not compete, competitively how did how was how was that news for you how did how did you deal with it oh i was devastated i was totally de- devastated i went into I, I, when i just heard the news the first day i heard the news actually my my trainer she brought me back to campus and i asked her right there in that moment uh, is it possible that i could just sign a form that says that fsu won't be liable if something happens to me, because, I mean, I want to run. I want to run. I came here to run. I want to run. Okay, the Masters is great, and it's great to have that balance. But I want to run. I've been running all my life. I've been running since I was nine years old. And right now, in this moment, I don't care what that doctor says. I want to run. I've been healthy all my life. I don't feel any differently right now. And because of what some machine says... I got to stop doing what I love? No. 
let me sign some papers. Where are the papers? Let me sign on, sign that on, and say that okay, FSU is not liable if something is to happen to me. Anyways, I came around, thought about it, got rational, <laughs> and realized that I didn't want to be at practice and. Every day I may feel some pain in my legs or some fatigue, and I went down. They'd be looking, oh, my God, is he going down? Like, is he passing out? Is he dying? You know, so I thought against, uh, thought about it more rationally, and then I realized, you know, it's not worth the tragedy of friends or my parents or any of my family members hearing that, oh, he passed away, uh, on the track or otherwise. So then, you know, the the share, I went to class and the share, they put me on some medication that had side effects of lethargy and, you know, uh, depression and things like that. But I think the, the share uh, harshness and just the devastation from the news and coupled with the side effects of that medication, it's kind of had me in a daze, really. I would go into class, and while I'm in class, you know how there are times when you're in a classroom and you you basically like phase out, and you don't hear something that the teacher is saying? Oh, yeah, but it all the time. For, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it happens for a moment. Right. Well, for me, it started at the beginning of the class. I didn't hear anything until she said, okay, I'll see you guys in the next class, or whether he or she. And so I realized that was happening quite frequently. And uh, I didn't take that too well because my thinking then was, okay, so I have no more track and field, and now I can't learn in class, so... That's that's going away too. So I was pretty devastated about that, and through all of that, I had to uh, get some counseling and stuff because I found that I had uh, thoughts of suicide. Even I, well, well, my psychologist later told me that it was passive suicide. So essentially, wanting to die but not having the courage to do it type of deal um, and uh, she also diagnosed me as having symptoms of depression and anxiety and so I was it was just a really bad time mentally for me I think and just speaking with another person who I know has gone through something like this the toughest part is just is the mental part more so than the physical part. So people will ask you, are you doing okay? And you're like, yes, I'm okay. But they're asking more about the physical part. But I think for me, for me, the mental part was, oh my God, like, like it was, it was way, way tougher than the, than the physical part. It's just getting out of bed, knowing that, okay, no track. And then now, I can't, I'm not learning it in class and stuff like that. And so that, that part really. Now, how long ago was this that you were diagnosed? This was in 2013. So that's like almost three years ago. Yeah. 
Now, Evan, um, just kind of getting back to your story about starting the organization, uh, you, your friend who passed uh, in high school who was 15, were, were you also 15 at the time? I was 16. 16? was my little brother's best friend, yeah. Oh, wow. Um, and <laughs> at what point did you um, start the organization? So when we were in college, maybe our junior year, it was me, you know, all of our best friends, my brother, Zane Schultz, Kiernis, and R.J. Black, Josh Wang, tons of of us that we grew up with not tons about a 12 12 of us um and we we sat down and we, we committed to it we didn't know what we call it at first we didn't know what we do but we called everybody in the country who did anything similar and uh we went to work so that was what rough, roughly about five or six years after your friend passed yeah something like that what I, what uh what motivated you then um uh to do it did you had you heard other stories or um uh, or was it just something you guys just finally kind of came together on and that's pretty much a kind of the, the, the both streams coming together, Francisco, both things really. So ultimately the realization more than anything that we're not unique. When it first happened to us, we were told it was a lightning strike incident, one in a bajillion. And then when we get up here, we learn about it happening, you know, from Mariana to Godby to FAMU to FSU to you name the community and you go back far enough and they've had an athlete, whether it made major media or whether it was just a story everybody knew everyone's experienced something similar. Interesting. Uh, so the friends you had in college that you formed this with the 12 or so you said, were they all, did they, were they all friends of yours also in high school that knew your friend, uh, uh, Rafe? Yeah. For the most part, uh, we brought in some brilliant minds like Cam Vermette to get involved. Uh, but, uh, ultimately it was kids we've all known since third grade or so. And now we all grew up together. So, with Rafe. Um, you were roughly a junior in college when you did this, uh, when you started this, what, uh, ha, ha, what kind of background in terms of your education or uh, some of your other friends that helped you or even just your career kind of looking forward or things you were interested in, how, where does this play, uh, where does, where does all that kind of play a role in, in how that, what kind of how you started this? Yeah. So, uh, essentially we stood on the shoulders of Florida State University, um, huge shout out to the Jim Rand Institute of Entrepreneurship and the Center of Leadership and Social Change at FSU because we went to them and they helped direct us and guide us and give us mentorship and resources. Um, so really, it, 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 all, it was kind of built on their shoulders. But, uh, but my, my degrees were in entrepreneurship, business management, marketing. And I realized that I, I kind of fell in love with businesses my freshman year and the concept of how a business can positively affect the world through social entrepreneurship. So who we play for is just a no-brainer. So yeah, tell me um, the Jim Moran Institute there. I know I've heard a lot about them, and what what uh, uh like what? How did they help you exactly uh, as a student and and leading into starting this nonprofit? Uh, it's it's a nonprofit, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. yeah. So did- essentially, you know, we uh, I was a part of the the School of Entrepreneurship, so I got a degree with them. I was one of forty students. Um, basically, I hit a roadblock whenever that roadblock came. One of my first stops, if I couldn't get the answer, was straight to JMI. So, so this know, is one, the other JMI, the one, not the one I work for, because I work yeah, for the yeah, James yeah. Madison Institute. And yeah. we, it's funny when I first moved to town eight years ago in <laughs> Tallahassee, people would say JMI, and they'd refer to like a different JMI. So yeah. I always have to correct the record. But it is funny; they're both in Tallahassee. Uh, one's just more affiliated with Florida State University. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, sorry, go back to your story. <laughs> yeah, no worries. So just one beautiful example is, um, you know, who we play for may have been dreamed up in room 114 of our fraternity house on uh, at FSU. But essentially, uh, 
where who we play for's biggest move was is that we ended up partnering with another nonprofit based out of Houston, Texas, and they were called Cypress ECG Project. And really, they had totally mastered the what behind the delivery of uh, cardiac screening for student athletes. And we fell in love with their model and their people, Mary DeBosch, Tom DeBosch, the medical director and brilliant mind, and Pat DeBosch and their crew. And we decided to bring it together and merge and become one who we play for. And when we hit that to that opportunity, first thing I did was I walked into JMI and said, you're never going to believe this. What do we do next? So they sent us over to FSU's law school and uh, we just began a scheme and dream. What does a nonprofit merger even look like? Interesting. So I noticed uh, through your website, whoweplayfor.org, uh, you've got um, different states uh, that you are in, Florida, Louisiana, Texas, and Washington. Is that uh, the Texas kind of because of the, the, uh, the organization you merged with over there? Exactly. Yeah, they, they had mastered that. They were in a handful of states. Um, we, we were only operating in Florida at the time. And all everyone, it basically is a team made up of people who had their own story. Like we got one employee in Texas, Debbie Goyne, um, and also kind of Louisiana. She, but she travels everywhere. She even goes to Arkansas and Oklahoma. And her son, Brandon, passed away to the same condition that Andre had, has, ARVD. Uh, he was a baseball player at LSU Alexandria. And Debbie Goyne, chalk her up, is one of the most inspirational people I've ever met. So I noticed uh, – what you have about seven people on staff, including yourself. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. And I see you got a board with some, some interesting people. Uh, well, um, <clears throat> what, uh, how does, how, what is your kind of, uh, day to day like in terms of what your organization, uh, services you provide education, things like that. And what, what are your, yeah, which is kind of your day to day and things that you pr- resources you provide for, for people. Beautiful. So who we play for provides one service of one service only. And we're the best at it in the country, arguably the world. And that's providing cardiac screening for student athletes. So if you're a smaller college, if you're, you know, maybe even a bigger college and for whatever reason can't find the resources, um, and definitely if you're a middle school or high school, we bring the cardiac screening to the school to make it stupid simple for the school to screen all of their athletes. So this morning we screened at uh, Godby High School with Jackie Burkett, their athletic director, and we screened 70 or so athletes. And we got a sponsorship all thanks to um, the Tallahassee Awesome Foundation. So those kids all got it for free. But our program costs $15 in ECG, which is compared to $150 at the hospital. And we do one one thing, one thing only, and that's just provide the cardiac screening. It's funny because uh, I got to give a shout out to our mutual friend, Bethany Swanson, with Thank Leadership you. Florida, who connected us. Um, and... Um, but also, I uh, it, I did I think I first learned about you guys maybe earlier this year, and didn't you know? But then I think I vaguely had heard something about it when she told me that. I said this sounds kind of familiar. And then it's funny in the last few weeks, coincidentally, uh, I've seen on social media some of uh, some mutual some other mutual friends of of, of ours who uh, are in that Tallahassee Awesome Foundation, and I saw them posting about who we play for, and I thought, that's kind of funny because we're about to have a podcast with them. So um, anyway, so it seems like you guys are getting some notoriety when I start recognizing you in other ways other than directly through the initial contact. Um, but uh, how – so obviously they're – like the Tallahassee Awesome um, is a local volunteer uh, organization – of I guess people who are trying to make Tallahassee awesome or something, um, mm-hmm. and I, a lot of I notice a lot of young professionals <laughs> that are involved. But uh, so that's one revenue source I guess they must have raised some money to directly 
impact uh, you to help um, the folks at Godby High School in Tallahassee, the student mm-hmm. athletes there. What other kind of ways uh, are you getting uh, revenue and what are kind of the costs associated with the services you provide? I love it. So if you were to study this nationwide and you were to sit down with people who never heard of who we play for, um, you know, medical experts, hospital experts, whatever, and ask them how much an electrocardiogram costs, ECG, also known as an EKG, interchangeable, they'd say anywhere from $150 to $300. So the biggest inhibitor for this being provided for all athletes, not just big time, is cost. So the reason we fell in, in love with that Texas model over what, what was Cypress ECG was because they figured out a way to deliver it at the bare minimum cost of $15. So the first and foremost way we do this is we charge the families or the schools or school districts, whoever wants to bear the burden of $15 a kid, um, and that funds the program. But there's plenty of schools out there. In Florida, it's something like 56% of, uh, of students that are on free and reduced lunch. So you're just, you're just priced out 50, 56%-ish of kids already. So then we got to get creative, and that takes a lot of work. I mean, we're a blue-collar crew, so we, we really look and search for those grants. And we're not the best at applying for grants. You know, God bless the Tallahassee Awesome Foundation for helping. Um, but we do have one Hail Mary right now that we're really hoping that will work, and that's uh, an appropriation through the legislature with uh, Sam Sexton leading the charge and Paul Mitchell helping with Southern Strategies, which could fund 30,000 student-athletes. And with that money, we can statistically guarantee – 28 kids' lives will be saved. Do you have statistics on how many – well, first of all, at what, at what age level do you, would, would you recommend uh, that someone start getting screened as a student athlete? I think every single person should get screened because heart disease and, and sudden cardiac arrest isn't exclusive to student athletes. Okay. It just happens to be they're at higher risk, and it just happens to be that they're already expected to get a physical. So it's easier to serve them at this point because it's the first step. Uh, does that so, does that uh, is that something you can get as part of a physical, or is it like an extra service? How, how would a, how would an average person go about asking for something? Man, like it's this? it really it's it's embarrassing. So if if you any parents are out there, anybody who works in the school system, go ahead and pull up your EL two physical form and look at the very bottom of the first page. The most we're doing right now to protect our kids athletes outside of the cardiac arrest education we recently recently put through last uh, year. Shout out to Bob Sefsik there, the FHSA. Thank you for that, Bob. But um, it's just the fine print saying, hey, guys, get your heart checked. That's the best we're doing. But if, like I said, if you're an FSU athlete or a pro athlete, if you're Andre Walsh, you're blessed with the opportunity to get your heart checked. So right now, the standard physical does not include the ECG or EKG for middle school, high school, and smaller colleges. It just happens to be a stethoscope, which they've been using for 100-plus years. So, uh, so you would just recommend to kind of anyone listening to this podcast, um, next time they go in for a physical, ask for an ECG? Absolutely, yeah. Okay. And particularly if you're an athlete, we, uh, our medical board spits out that it should be done once in middle school, once in high school minimum. And then probably get in college if – Yeah, yes. Okay, cool. Well, um, that, that's great and glad you guys uh, are kind of providing that service and making people aware um, – of what is going on here. What are some of your uh, greatest challenges as an organization where, where you're at? You know, uh, I guess, I guess let's, let's back up and, and ask uh, what have been your challenges so far getting to the point you're, you're at and um, how have you kind of overcome some of those things? And then what, what are some of the, the things you're, you know, maybe being challenged by now or in the future? For sure. 
So there's the two challenges we've had since day one, and they're still consistent. Um, first and foremost has just been that kids, a lot of kids, like I said, 56%-ish of kids flat out can't afford the $15. So when we go into a new community and screen, whether it's you know Tampa or Orlando or Jacksonville, we need to be prepared to give that to them for free. Because one value we have is we will never turn a kid away that can't afford that $15. So we're constantly looking, how are we going to pay for this, kids? How can we make this sustainable? So that's the first. So let me ask you, uh, you said $15, but earlier you were saying an average, uh, if you, you know, uh, would be somewhere between $150 and $300. How yep. did you get it down to $15? Man, that's a huge shout out to Pat DeBosch on that one. He's a mastermind, works at Oracle, and he's an engineer, and he just looked at this enough and figured out a way to do it creatively enough through telemedicine to cut all of our costs. And uh, we have a, one of the leading experts in the country on the student-athlete's heart doing this completely free of charge, reading it, and that's Dr. DeBosch. And really because of him, now we've been able to leverage other incredible doctors to offer to read for free as well. Can you so, – uh, uh, Are you? I don't know how familiar – I mean it sounds like you're probably – pretty familiar with telemedicine that's kind of a new concept for a lot of people can you just give a little explanation of what that is and how it applies to this particular uh uh service absolutely a telemedicine man francisco that's the future um so if you think about this you think about florida you got rural counties like mariana or jackson county um where maybe they don't have the resources that uh, a shans hospital offers alachua county but we can make it equally as effective for a Jackson County kid as we can for an Alachua County kid to get their heart checked. In our case, by just allowing our doctors to do it from their desk. So we make this so simple that we'll send an email with all the EKGs that we collect that day with all the questions from the 14-point questionnaire the kids answer. Doctors will spend five seconds per ECG. It doesn't matter if you're in Central America and Panama where we've screened before or if you're in Texas or Washington, wherever you are, it's, it's not exclusive anymore because of telemedicine. So I, I love telemedicine. I think it's uh, the great equalizer. And who, um, who is actually on site administering the ECG and where is it in this? Is it actually physically in the school they're doing it? It depends on the school district. Um, we do this for over 300 schools and almost all the time it's in the school during the school day. And we do that because then it takes away all barriers for kids that's parents maybe couldn't take them there on a Saturday and, uh, you know, maybe it's just something they, they can't get to. So typically at the school during the school day, and it's delivered by our staff and our trained volunteers that we bring through to help us. Are your staff, um, when you say staff and trained volunteers, I don't know what, I don't know what, how you administer an ECG, like mm -hmm. what, what kind of technology goes into it and are, are anybody on your staff, you know, doctors, nurses, phys, you know, physician assistants. I don't, I don't know the, uh, the terminology, but who can, who can administer this and, and how is it done? So um, our staff's been trained by our medical board. So the me, me and the other seven employees have all gone through the training with them on how to deliver an EKG, you know, how to ask the questions properly, how to train other people to do this. And we based this off a study that was done in Chicago that proved ultimately anybody can put 10 stickers on somebody's chest effectively if they're well-trained. So uh, we usually will partner up with like med schools or athletic trainers or you know nursing students or techs like EKG techs and echo techs and we'll bring them in and, uh, and we'll provide the screenings. Well, that's great. Well, I noticed, um, on your website, you do have a picture and maybe we'll put it in the blog post for this, uh, podcast of someone getting, uh, an, an EK, well, I guess you call it an ECG or an EKG. So it's, uh, 
but um, with the stickers and the little wires or whatever you call them. Uh, and uh, so I, that does that does look more familiar now um, to I guess the kind of tests people might expect to get. Um, so uh, so so it sounds like uh, the biggest thing is just uh, you need is some funding for um, the the providing these tests, especially for those who can't afford it. And there's probably, you know, like you said, thousands of student athletes just in Florida um, who, you know, especially uh, come from low income uh, families um, who may or may not be able to afford it. And you've really cut that price through telemedicine with uh, being able, you know, the delivery system and the way your staff has been able to efficiently get the results over to doctors to take a look at these tests. I think that's fantastic. So you guys are providing a great service and just... I mean, you've just reduced those costs um, by, I mean, just you're, you're just looking at a fraction now of, of what somebody um, would, would, uh, would spend if they just went to their doctor. So to be able to do that for middle and high school students and maybe college students, that's, that's fantastic. Uh, the other thing is, uh, uh, it sounds like, um, so you, how many, I was going to ask you, uh, I mean, we're just looking at the state of Florida. I don't know if you have statistics. Uh, obviously, there are, you know a million plus probably 2 million students in the uh you know K through 12 system right now um there's probably how, I mean are you guys do you have any statistics on how many are participating regularly in uh student athletics I do I do I have a little bit so off the top of my head we're looking at about 796 ish high schools within the FHSA that's about 400,000 ish student athletes in Florida um and if this was to be delivered in the model we're we're fighting for it's just one time a year. So that would be about 100,000 athletes every year getting their heart checked. And to put that in perspective, us right now, just charging $15 a kid, we've been able to do about 20,000 kids last year. Not just in Florida and a couple states. But what we know is this model works, and it works brilliantly. And it's just how can we get it to the kids quicker? So you're, uh, you've got Samantha Sexton and Paul Mitchell. I know them both well. They're, they're professionals at what they do with uh, the legislative process there as, uh, as, as government relations folks. Um, do, uh, so they're out there trying now to uh, sort of persuade legislators to uh, maybe appropriate some funds uh, specifically for uh, kids or families uh, who can't afford it. Um, and I guess uh, that's kind of, is that how much are are you kind of spending some time? Are they volunteering for you? Kind of spending some time with them in that legislative process? Yeah, we spent a little bit of time. We we got a, our first priority is to be in the schools and deliver the service. And I wish I could be there all the time because it's a blast in there. But um, but yeah, we, we we spend a lot. We try and direct people to them. Some of the, a lot of the families we work with, and some of the school administrator champions and principals, athletic trainers. But um, but yeah, that's a dream. And in Paul's words, we're trying to eliminate the biggest liability in the school system and in the school schools period, uh, which is sudden cardiac arrest, the leading cause of death in athletes, the leading cause of death on school campuses. Well, you guys are doing a fantastic job. I will uh, let you have the last word here as we wrap this up. Uh, uh, Evan and, and Andre, if, uh, if you guys want to add anything else here that you'd like to tell the listeners of the Agents of Innovation podcast about who we play for. Beautiful. Well, thank you, Francisco. This is our first podcast again. It's pretty hilarious. I'm excited to hear what my voice sounds like through this thing. <laughs> sounds uh, great, man. Hey, I, pre- I don't have the fancy microphone you do, so I don't, it's <laughs> not going to sound as good as yours. But uh, uh, I'll let Andre close out too. But essentially, if you're listening to this, whether you're in Georgia, Key West, wherever you are, 
if you know anybody in the school system or you're a coach or you got a kid at a school, we said that, you know, cost and fundraising is something we need, but maybe I should have said advocacy because the reality is people don't realize that with the most recent research coming out, like for what a woman on our medical team, Dr. Harmon over University of Washington, that cardiac arrest in student athletes is as often as one in 3,200 for D1 African-American basketball players. And maybe it's one in 30 to 50,000 for all athletes, but uh, we really don't know how often it happens. But we do know every kid deserves a chance to check their heart. So if you're in a district or you know somebody involved, give us a call, go through the website. We've been ready since yesterday to bring you cardiac screening. And for me, I, I would say I've been, I've been to several different schools and not, not every division one school has EKGs or ECGs. Uh, so what I will say is that also before I had this EKG, I had no clue about heart conditions, cardiac arrest, that, that kind of stuff. So I'll say to my fellow athletes and to my fellow human beings in the world, you know, just go out and educate yourself more on cardiac screening, on EKGs slash ECGs, and get educated about it. And once you get educated about it, get the word out there that uh, it's good to get your heart checked so rather than having tragic, tragic uh, moments having your people going through tragic things. Let's have a happy life. Well, fan- Amen. Fantastic, guys. Amen. Thank you, guys. And, Andre, I'm glad that the uh, resources were there for you at FSU. And uh, now, um, you know, hopefully thousands, uh, if not millions, of, of young people out there are you know, going to potentially have their life saved and uh, get, the, get themselves checked out. For those, uh, uh, mostly because of this organization and the, the work you guys are doing, not just here in Florida, but all over. But I do take a little pride as a Floridian that you guys started it here. And uh, so I'm glad to hear that. Um, for those who um, are listening, uh, definitely check them out. There's a lot of great info on their website, whoweplayfor.org. And uh, I see they're also on Twitter at whoweplayfor. Um, and uh, Evan and Andre, I just want to thank you again for uh, being here on the Agents of Innovation podcast. All right. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Francisco. I really appreciate it. No problem. Well, guys, thanks so much, and have a great day. Bye-bye. I know this is hard for you. It's hard for me. Things I wanna be, yeah, but everywhere I go, the air that I breathe there tastes like home, and everywhere I turn, she isn't my questions as they beg to burn, so I let them burn.